Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Live from the Tower, your weekly Destiny show. We are finally back in the saddle. It has been too long. My PC's fixed. Zeph's here. Hey, what up? And we're finally going to give you our, for lack of a better phrase, full thoughts on the Witch Queen now that we've done the campaign, the raid, the Vox Obscura quest, the seasonal stories completed, at least as far as we know. And there's kind of a an adjustment happening to the new crafting system that we're going to jump into. So right off the bat, I figure let's jump into that because that's the smallest part of it. And then we could take the rest of the show to really sink our teeth into everything else. So, Zeph, did you happen to mm -hmm. read Le Twab today? I did happen to read Le Twab. I saw that their Twab and immediately clicked. And so then you saw that they are going to raise the 250 cap to 1000 mm -hmm. for i believe it's the rest of the season yep and then next season they are just going to immediately remove those kind of elements so it's just going to be yep. neutral elements yep so you'll have one main source and it'll be up to a thousand so as soon as that hot fix goes live on tuesday um if you have that like hoarding problem Porting problem of deep sight resonance guns, you should be able to start taking the materials out of those on Tuesday once the hotfix goes live. But wait for a confirmation before you do that. Hey, how you doing? It's uh, uh it's me. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. It's coming. It's coming from inside the house. Um so yeah, so anyway. That happened. We're all very happy for that. So that means starting next season, you'll just have neutral elements and ascendant alloy, unless they're taking mm -hmm. ascendant alloy out, which I don't think they. No, are. they'll probably keep that. They'll keep that. Um, it's it's interesting because they go to tell you what they've actually changed since like pre-launch and kind of like inception, mm -hmm. and it sounds like crafting was much worse before it actually launched. Mm -hmm. This was always going to be a little bit sticky. So the fact that it even that they're explaining the process and we got a product that's as good as it is and then they're refining it honestly i think it's a good sign mm -hmm. um so right off the bat one of the things let's jump let's jump into um let's jump into the main campaign so we have beaten the main campaign mhm mm and we both enjoyed it thoroughly. You played it on Legendary your first and all three times through. I played yep. it on Normal Solo, and I am going through Legendary, which I will probably finish via with you uh, to get my Hunter and my Titan through. Mm -hmm. uh, just because... So Legendary is great. I can't wait for it to show up in Lightfall and the final shape. But... I definitely feel like a legendary is more fun when you have at least one other person in your party. Mm -hmm. Because to me, while it's really cool to overcome that challenge solo, and it's something that I don't get to do a lot, being that I don't solo endgame content like some of these people, Zeph and Blade. Uh, what? What? The man who discovered out that uh, Vox Obscura did not have a master flaw uh, or a flawless solo triumph attached to it after completing it week one. Uh, couldn't possibly. I don't know what you mean. Couldn't possibly be you. Uh, so I think 
for me at least, the power fantasy comes much more with having a team because mm-hmm. then it scales around you and you have that. Oh, well, I mean, because like you experienced it, you have the bouncing off of who's running what super, who's bringing what gun, and you can play off cover and play off each other and use each other's uh, abilities mm-hmm. to just kind of wombo combo everything. And to me, that's when I think destiny, that's always been the power fantasy because raids are always six people. Strikes are always right. three. Dungeons are usually three. So uh, I'm excited to to tackle that with you. Uh, hopefully when we both have a moment where we can sit down together and just bang them out. So yeah, that'll be fun. I, I think that the trio it's like very much the power fantasy but i think it is harder in a trio than it is solo which isn't to dissuade Mm -hmm. you or anybody from playing in a group um and i think we touched on this before outside of podcast um we almost certainly did because we haven't recorded in a while but like in a team uh the respawn timer or not the respawn timer but the time you have to pull your teammate back up is 40 seconds as opposed to the much longer time in a raid um, whereas if you're solo, you can kind of take that cover and you can be like, okay, I can get out through here. I need to kill these enemies. I need to do this mechanic. You know, like you, you can kind of go down the list. Whereas you're operating in a team and ideally you're functioning and firing on all pistons. But if somebody goes down, now you have 40 seconds or you all die. Mm-hmm. That and the enemies do scale. So, like, depending how you play it, Again, this is variable to your team, depending how you play it. In a trio, can be harder than just solo, which I actually really appreciate. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely seems like a blast. I know it. It you you had said this to me when we finished up season of the Lost, and I was kind of telling you what I was doing and and what I had kind of gotten through, and you had said to me, and I'm gonna like I'm not, I don't want this to be weird. Don't make it weird, chat. <laughs> but like. It was a great honor to have someone as esteemed as Zephinblade. Like, one of the people I know in our clan that, like, solo flawlesses a bunch of stuff, you know, always doing the master content, always on the cutting edge, right? To have a person like you, and because you and I have gotten closer as we've done different shows and, and we've played mm-hmm. together more, to say, you have evolved as a, as a Destiny player. And it was like, it took me to do, honestly, the first mission on my Hunter on Legendary to really feel that when you're mm-hmm. in the, it's not the engine room, um, but it's after you put all the parts on the outside right? right. and the two Colossuses show up, one shows up on the left side, you have to get the code mm-hmm. and the other one shows up. That was the first time where I internally felt that. Because I was mm-hmm. just moving. Like, I don't think I stopped moving. I would, like, slide behind cover, throw a vortex nade out, wait, 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 dodge, roll, go and viz, dance around, use my heavy. I was swapping guns left and right. It was insane. Uh, so I definitely can't wait to continue that. But let's talk story. Like, the actual story. There are some very big revelations and some mysteries that have yet to kind of unravel. Mm-hmm. So we have finally seen the entity in the darkness, the one pulling the strings. Which Megamind. Is Megamind. Uh, <laughs> if you're if you're on Destiny Twitter, you'll know the memes. No light. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so uh, the witness is the one that's kind of been controlling the forces of darkness. Uh, Sevil Wrath now serves the witness. The mm-hmm. witness was the voice in Shadowkeep that talks to us in the Black Garden. It's kind of the one pulling the strings uh, above Savathun. So mm-hmm. that was the big reveal at the end, it is the witness kind of, not to our player character, but to the audience, reveals themselves. They have a nice monologue. Actually, it was, it was really cool to me. I think it was my favorite scene. They pull back mm-hmm. the veil and you just see the armada. The armada of pyramids. And you know that something's coming. And you say to your ghost, this is after you you beat Sabathun. And her ghost gets away. But mm-hmm. uh, your ghost looks at you and goes, what, what do we do now? And you say <laughs> to him, now we prepare to stop the collapse. Or something like that. Because we have to get ready to stop the next collapse. And that, yeah. that line, oh, in my in my leather coat with like my my shiny blue you know pauldron going up my sleeve with my pulse rifle, that was that sent me. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the? There were a couple other big revelations we had during the campaign. Uh I'm trying to remember how much of the actual campaign we covered, but I mean, we also. There's the information we had as a player, but then was formally revealed to everyone that, like, the Hive were lied to. Oh, And were supposed yeah. to be chosen by the Traveler. That was, that was the one big one that I, I messaged mm-hmm. you, or I was in... I was in either in voice with you while you were streaming your second playthrough, or I was I think you were in voice. But yeah, mm-hmm. that revelation sent me the one... That really got me. I think I think the one next to the witness is my favorite uh, kind of lore drop within the main campaign because there's a lot of stuff that happens afterwards or kind of parallel. Was you see what happened to Savathun after the exorcism, mm-hmm. and you saw whether intentionally or not, Marisov killed Savathun. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a shard of the chrysalis in her, and she somehow made it to the last city. And she was on, like, the outskirts of the city. She's talking to the traveler. She pulls the crystal out, notices it, and basically is like, so, is this, uh, is this, is this how it ends? You mock me by letting me die a final death or something like that? And she mm-hmm. dies, and the camera pulls back. And out of nowhere, you just see a little ghost flutter over just like with Aldrin Sav and you see her ghost Amarus basically bring her to life as a as a light bearer mm-hmm. and that's how she got the the light and then they drop on you that oh yeah Sabathun had no recollection of anything yep you were basically just kind of intruding and she was kind of playing with you but she had no idea how her throne world got there unless she left stuff for herself like uh, Anna Bray did. Yep, she did. So that's um part of the exotic glaive quest. Oh, okay. I haven't gotten yep. uh, I haven't unlocked that yet. So that's that's big. And then there's mm-hmm. they play these other kind of games with you mentally towards the uh or post campaign with the two truths and a lie. Mm-hmm. Two that, truths, two lies. Yeah, two truths, two lies that happens twice. Um mm-hmm. 
And they don't really kind of resolve that. They kind of just let those linger and hang in the air. And before we jump to the raid, now I have to ask you this. Have you read any of the lore books yet? Uh, I've leafed through them, but I haven't had the time to sit down and actually read through them all. Okay. Um, but I've gotten most of the entries. Okay, so I'm not I'm not going to say anything specific, but uh, in... In the Martian missives, which are the ones you get throughout the campaign, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't. Uh, there, there are like little typos and stuff that kind of you'll notice. Uh, mm-hmm. And I noticed, and I was like, "Wow, why are they there? That that's that's definitely got to be a thing." Uh, I was watching Mylan Games today on YouTube, and he actually did a video, and I was my hunch was right. Uh, there were more than I found, though, because I had only found, like, two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone pointed it out, and it it's not, like, a story. Like, there's no narrative tied to it, but it's just, like, an Easter egg. And it's, when taken out of the game, it's converted into something that's really uh, very interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. I will not tell you until you read the books, because... I don't want to spoil all the fun stuff. Uh, Appreciated. Of course. But yeah, otherwise, uh, main campaign, uh, a la cool. The Dark Blade is back. They mm-hmm. talk about um, Oryx a lot. They, We actually get the Tablet of Ruin. We get Sagira's Ghost Shell. The Scorn show up. There's a lot of, of pieces. We can see some friction in the Vanguard that I think will get patched over, or that I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of little like things that get set up, uh, especially with the exotic quest towards the end mm-hmm. with the worm launcher, um, which basically sets up that Marasov will go insane. I'm convinced, and we will go to war with the reef. I want it. I actually think that'd be a perfect backdrop for Lightfall. She's like everything's messed, everything's screwed. Uh, that's besides the point. Also, do you know if you bring the worm launcher to different things, it has different dialogue? Yep. Like, I didn't even have it equipped when I did a wellspring last night, and he just started talking. At the start of the wellspring. Yep. Uh, so now let's... He's a chatty little beast. If you bring him around the throne world, he'll also occasionally say things. Really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Okay, so we have three more things. We have the hidden exotic quest, we have the seasonal story, and we have the raid. So I will let you pick which one you want to talk about next, and then you can kind of take the reins and lead. I mean, the raid is fascinating. Um, It's mechanically, I don't want to say complex, but it's mechanically involved. Uh, It's the kind of raid where you kind of have to be good at raiding. And if you want to bring somebody along, then you have to be good at teaching. So, of course, the LFG posts are full of, like, know what to do, know what to do, know what to do. Because it is, unless you are good at teaching, the ideas don't translate well. Um, But it's some of the, and I'm sure it's some of it's like the honeymoon phase, but it's some of the most interesting encounters. Um, The atmospheric narrative the storytelling that a lot of the set pieces do is awesome 
and the final boss is like actually unparalleled. I would say it's the best final boss of a raid, aside from Riven legit. But even then, Rulk is an incredible final boss. Like probably the best final boss we've gotten in a raid in Destiny. So the raid, I think, set piece wise, is absolutely fascinating. To the point where I think set piece wise, it's my favorite, if not tied for my favorite, and that's for that's for one reason and one reason only, and uh, that's Wrath of the Machine, uh, mm-hmm. only because of the descent into the perfection complex or whatever it's called, right? Mm-hmm. When you descend this red room into this like war mind Siva cell, where uh, Axis Prime is. The thing I love about this raid is you are constantly moving to the final boss arena, but you see it. So unlike previous raids like Crota and Oryx and even Riven, yes, you're progressing deeper and deeper into the raid space, mm-hmm. but you never see your final destination until you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like every step of the way you see the upended. You see, I forget the worm's name, it starts with an S, but, like, you see the hive worm, like, the, the, the worm god, dead underneath the upended, until finally you are, you are at, for lack of a better phrase, you're at Hell's Door, with Rolk in front of you, wielding a glaive, and you get your first encounter with, an, with a true new alien race. Which I don't see people giving that as much credit as like I think they should. Yes, the rate probably because they don't fully grasp the implications. A and B because he's also the last one. True. Uh True. Big true. But it's just I I th- I think you're right. I don't think people grasp it because. I kind of grasped it after we did it the first time, or mm-hmm. I did it the first time with you. Uh, but then after hearing, like, Bife mentioned in the video, like, yeah, this is his planet. Mm-hmm. You know, his is his planet Lubre or whatever. They had two suns. One sun yep. filters in the dark, the other filtered in the light, and they had to hide from the light and, like, all this stuff. And I sat there for a moment, and I was like, this was really a new alien race. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rolk, from what I've gathered from Bife, has like three different stories told in this game. Yep. And an expansion about Savathun between, what is it, the armor, the lore book, and the raid, I think. There's like three different mm-hmm. stories that get told. Or preservation, maybe. <laughs> um, but we got our first Scorn raid. Yep. And it didn't feel like a Scorn raid. <laughs> Like, if that makes sense, like, the Scorn were there. Oh, atmospherically? Oh, yeah. Because, like, when you mm-hmm. when you think Scorn Raid, you know, I think, like, Fanatic's Lair times 10, right? I think Tangled, mm-hmm. sure. Not inside a pyramid. It just, oh. By the end of it, I, the next day, and I messaged you about this, but 
the next day I really sat there and had to kind of soak it in and it kind of all finally settled and washed over me. The final encounter may be my favorite final encounter of any raid. And I say that because I never did Riven legit. Mm -hmm. The first time we went through for uh, Last Wish together, it was find the shadow, run, yep. drop down, well, laser beam, dead. Yep. Um, but this was the first, at least since Oryx, this was the first rate. Like, I actually felt like I was pushing back against the darkness. Well, yeah, because you literally are at one oh, yeah. point, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, the final <laughs> fight, yeah, yeah. That's mm -hmm. basically the mechanic is you kind of dunk these orbs and this knowledge and you kind of push back this this darkness that is encroaching. And in the end, you kind of like back roll into a corner. You DPS him. He kind of pushes you away and tries to restart his process. But it's one of those things where. Again, since Oryx, it felt like there was actual consequences like. Mm -hmm. mentally if we died in that raid if our guardians died their last death rolk would have i mean unless something in the lore states otherwise rolk would have had free reign to kind of break out of the pyramid wouldn't he because we yep, kind of would have gotten free and kicked all his defenses down or savathun's mm -hmm. defenses yep god dude whoever designed this raid you did you did a great job this is a fantastic yep. raid. Armor looks a little. Uh, I like the Titan set. I haven't seen it. I have the Warlock set. It's not that I don't like it. It's like the helmet's a little weird with like the tendrils. Mm -hmm. uh, it's but it's very unique, and I think raid sets should always be unique as opposed right. to every other set. So that's that seasonal story. It's just the narrative team just keeps on hitting bangers. Banger after banger with this seasonal story. So we start the seasonal story off. Uh, we have to launch an attack. The Cabal are trying to attack Savathun's throne world at the start of the Witch Queen campaign. Mm -hmm. We have to kill them. Keitel demands blood. Uh, Zavala's like, listen, why don't we work together? Because the Hive have light. And Keitel's like, alright, you get one. Everybody gets one, Zavala. Hmm. Tell him, Peter. Everybody gets one. We'll start a we'll start a coalition. So, uh, kind of the main characters that have been active all of the previous seasons from last year: Crow, Saladin, Zavala, uh, now Keitel. They're kind of all leading this uh, this coalition where we fight alongside the Cabal because the Hive are going around killing Guardians and stealing their light, mm -hmm. and we don't know why. And that's kind of like the overarching plot but that's not what the good part is the good part is the b plot which involves grandpa lord saladin himself and uh soy boy crow <laughs> <laughs> i thought it's the first for a term there huh <laughs> i know i was not kidding uh and uh and gerard way okay so, Zev, give us the rundown uh, real quick in the abridged version about what what has happened in the four, three, four weeks of the seasonal story. 
Uh, basically, we've been trying to track down the intentions of the Lucent Brood and found out that they're trying to manifest Savathun's throne world on the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way we found this out is through use of Keitel's scions, who have been probing Lucent Hive minds, and Crow's like, hey, that's kind of not okay, and Saladin's like, what do you mean? It's very okay, the Hive are monsters, and also we need information. Um, but Crow's still dealing with learning who he really is, and who he really was, and all these things together. Um, so having a bit of a hard time, and just making a great case for, hey, uh, maybe there should be at least, like, one therapist in space. But, uh, so we, we track down the hive to the moon, and basically foil their plot so far. Big big so far right yeah um, I, it feels weird that they kind of like had that final moment mm-hmm. so early and i mean i know the season is probably going until when may yeah thereabouts yeah um and at the culmination of it crow who has been very involved is nowhere to be found at the final mission uh, and we get back to the helm and crow has tried to this is in a lore piece has tried to like in a very good-natured optimistic way turn off this machine uh the psionic probing machine and there is a scion hooked up to it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh shuts it down does it improperly kills the scion through no actual fault of his own just kind of being a dumbass but his heart was in the right place um and Kyle's like hey you killed one of my boys we demand blood, you know, life for a life. And before she actually manages to step in and snap Crow's spine in half, Saladin is like, you know what? No, take me instead. You said a life for a life. I offer mine. Kyle's like, bet. I respect it. You will serve on my war council for the rest of your days as Brockus Forge. Brockus! Mother yucking Forge, baby! Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's the... That's kind of like the overarching, but there's there's a little more intricacies that kind of happen in these cutscenes. Um, mm-hmm. Like in week one, when this kind of all gets revealed that the Cyporium is kind of a thing, uh, Crow has his, like Zeph said, he has this emotional moral dilemma, and Saladin recounts this story of mm-hmm. how when way back in the time of Warlord, Saladin was in the old forest. And villagers came up to him and they were like, listen, we don't have much. Take this black bread. Someone's stealing from us. Can you help? Saladin's like, you know what? I, you're very humble. Yes. No, I'll do this one thing. So Saladin finds this little girl. And she's been the thief. So Saladin mm-hmm. gives her his crest and he says, the wolves will always protect you. Then he goes and finds the bandit camp, raises it to the ground, murders everybody. Years go by. Saladin's back in the forest and he's like you know these people should have kind of been doing better now no one's come up to me let me find them he literally just finds mass grave like like just a pit with bodies in it because they ran out of room so he tracks down a bandit camp and lo and behold the leader of the bandit camp is wearing the crest that Saladin gave the little girl because she has grown up and Saladin is like what what are you doing And she's like, well, Mm -hmm. when they couldn't offer their tithes, my wolves could not have protected them. So I, you know, she basically let them die off or murdered them. 
and took whatever they mm-hmm. had left. And Saladin puts her down, takes his crest, kills everybody. And that's kind of his first lesson to Crow. And Zavala and Saladin have this uh, discussion back and forth where Saladin's like, Crow thinks he's a monster like the Hive because Savathun has showed him who Aldrin was. Like, there's a great line because the the Hive have no more ghosts that we've captured, so they're kind of in limbo, but they're not feeling pain. Uh, it's not like they're being tortured, they're just kind of in stasis. So Zavala says, did you tell him that they were they weren't being hurt? Saladin mm-hmm. says, this is my favorite, he goes, nothing I could have said would have changed, you know, would have made him understand. The Scion basically tells Saladin, Crow is hurting immensely to the point where his ghost cannot help him. Then there's a great lore piece where Saladin is like, yeah, I, I let the Scion into my mind. Now, Saladin, the man who la- two seasons ago, or three seasons ago, was like, nah, we should murder every single Cabal we see. And Literally never, threw a Scion off a cliff. Just never look back. I forgot he did that. He did that with Savathun. That was nutty. Remember that? We thought it was Osiris. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so Saladin's like, yeah, you know what? Uh, I actually respect him. He's like, hey, I understand the Scion. It makes sense now. So then, into the scene, Saladin shows up, and Crow is like, you told me that when I find the path I should walk, to walk it and not be afraid. He goes, what the Vanguard was doing was wrong, and Saladin hits him with this, that's not your call to make. Ah, uh, so then, yeah, we we jump back. Um, Brock is Forge. There's a great line in the post cutscene dialogue between Saladin and Crow, where Saladin says, "We are all meant to die our last death. Yours was not meant to be today." And I thought about that, and I was like, "Man, the writing on this team." And also, Crow now has Saladin's axe and pendant. So, yep. Crow better be coming in wielding that axe, because I'm going to be mad if he doesn't, and it just sits there. Uh, after some downtime, he probably will, but he's yeah. still going to have to reflect on his own actions. Could you could you imagine the opening cutscene to Lightfall is like another big attack, whether it's on like the EDZ or the tower or something, and you just mm-hmm. see everyone's fighting. They show Shaq, Zavala. Also, Zavala broke the lightning out. Zavala yeah. was ready to thunderstrike Keitel. Yeah, he was ready. I was nutty. Uh, but could you just imagine this big assault happens and you just see Crow pull out a flaming two-handed axe? Mm-hmm. And they, oh, they do the, what did they do, an homage to Rise of Iron, where he does the same move Saladin did in the replication chamber? Right. Dope. Anyway, so there's one more thing we're going to get to real quick, because we're at 30 minutes already. There's a lot to get through. We've missed a lot, and we're trying to catch up for you guys. Um, Vox Obscura is the new secret exotic quest. And it is a direct continuation of Presage, of Keitel's story, of Callus's story. Basically, in the Witch Queen campaign, Mars returns. And basically, the Cabal that still serve Callus, Red Legion refugees, we'll call them, mm-hmm. have attacked Freehold attacked the old Cabal base from D1. So you go in, you have to kill all these Cabal, and one of the Scions, I don't know if it's the one, it's one of the Scions that was betraying Keitel in Season of the Chosen. 
Is that their name? Yuri? Yurix. Yurix? Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they have the same lightning attack as the final uh, Battlegrounds boss of Season of the Chosen. Um, so you call all them and you find out that they have been sending out propaganda against Keitel, against her cabal, against the Guardians. Uh, and you find out that it's been it's been uh, it's spearheaded by Callus, right? More or less, he's behind the scenes. He hasn't yeah. openly come out and be like, "Hello, it is I, Callus." But like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's Callus. So, uh, and you know this because after you complete the mission, a secret door opens up, and inside are gold ornate chests from the Leviathan, the dog statues, all the purple berries from the Leviathan, and Callus is like tapestries. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get an exotic grenade launcher that is basically hard light grenades. Swap between elements. Really great. Um, have you gotten all the lore pieces and heard all the dialogue yet? No, I gotta do the one for this week. I also am in need of doing it this week. Um, so, that happened. There's a bunch of shaders that hint at Callus's return. There's a ghost projection that references Bruce. A- it references Bruce, which was one of the dogs from Leviathan. Uh, a bunch of mechanics in the Witch Queen are references to Leviathan. Like, you have to punch the scions in the bubble. Mm-hmm. One of the raid mechanics is rotating plates to DPS the boss, just like Callus. It's, uh, it's very heavy-handed that they're going to bring the Leviathan and Callus back in some form. Uh, compared to the other exotic quests we've had, well, where does Vox Obscura stand for you? What are your What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, it's fun. It's uh, it's very accessible. I would say it's the most accessible out of all of them. Uh, and I don't mean that in any sort of backhanded way. Uh, but you know, like it's not Whisper. <laughs> it's not Zero Hour. Um, it's not harbinger uh i i think i like it a bit more than harbinger to be honest um yeah i I could i could agree with that it i like the atmosphere of presage more um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but in terms of lore implications just like outright lore implications i think that this is doing more for the story that it's set in because we got it so early yeah it wasn't, uh, we got it week, uh, week one, right? We did it the day after launch. Something like that, yeah. They just dropped it early. Yeah, we played um, it, I remember, we played it, uh, cause I was home yeah. with my back injury. It was that Wednesday. Yep. And so, I think as a catalyst and as a vehicle, it's doing more for its seasonal narrative than the other quests have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's not zero hour it's not whisper <laughs> yeah it uh it definitely it definitely feels more connected my hope and this is i think a problem bungie has kind of had um uh, they started kind of doing better last year but i really think um i really would like to see bungie really just kind of interconnect the seasons to the expansion more Mm-hmm. Rather than having them be like their own little stories. Like, yes, obviously in the grand scheme, they all eventually will lead to the final shape and Lightfall. But mm-hmm. Season of the Risen is directly tied into season, into the Witch Queen. Like, it, it is a, a direct um, 
not response, but like consequence of Savathun getting the light. So I would love mm-hmm. to see the next two to three seasons continue that trend. Like mm-hmm. push the narrative, but still be tied to the hive getting the light and the witch queen and all that stuff. And right. Rolk and the Risen and all that stuff. That'd be really fun. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, all in all, would you say it's the best expansion ever? Uh, I would say that we're a month in and that it feels unfair to judge it, but I would say that it's certainly had the best opening of any expansion. Okay, yeah. So so com- this compared to Season of the Hunt and Beyond Light. like Oh, that's that's not even... Yeah, and then season of the undying, and then season yeah, no, of the that's, outlaw. That's very silly. Mm-hmm. I think, and it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's the, easily the strongest opening. Yeah, uh, I think any. I think out of any. Any D two release. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And if they can keep momentum, I think we'll really be able to see a, a really nice change in there. Because we're seeing the change in the storytelling. So if they can shift from play the... Uh, I say play the patch, but I mean play the season. If mm-hmm. they can shift to that into play the expansion, which will make people want to buy the season pass and want to buy the seasons up front because they know everything's kind of tied together and they know, like, okay, this is this is the whole narrative through and through. Uh, if we can, like... Sw- surely 100% hit that point uh, mm-hmm. I think I haven't even read the the interview they've done about Lightfall but I, I think Lightfall will be absolutely the best thing they've ever done if they can get to that point alright we've gone on for almost 40 minutes we've kind of like crammed everything in gave you the truncated version uh, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode not really. I mean, that was kind of a lot. Yeah, I know. I didn't. Sorry, we kind of like bullet trained through you guys, but we've uh, we've we had to catch up on a lot of stuff. So next week we'll be back to our normal twab, and then uh, possibly story theories, and maybe we'll dissect things like individually. Who knows? Uh, we'll see what happens with twab. But uh, mm-hmm. Zeph, it's good to be back. Yeah. It is. We're in here. Destiny's, you know, it, but Destiny's in a tough spot, guys. Don't forget. Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is still make or break for Bungie, and they really got to pull through. Absolutely. All right. Uh, with all that said, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you would like to follow us, all our socials will be in the podcast description. That includes Zeph's Twitch, uh, Zeph's Twitter, and the my twitter and the show's twitter so be sure to follow us on twitter make sure to share this podcast with all your friends family dogs and uh, house plants and Mm -hmm. until next time fly safe guardians (laughs) 